Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from Genesis, the second chapter. We're going to look at verses 4 through 9 and then 15 through 25. Um, and so we are beginning this morning in earnest, uh, telling the, the story of the Bible, the Epic of Egan. And it all begins in Egan. Uh, it begins in, uh, in that garden of... Uh, of um, of, of, of legend, uh, that garden that, uh, that we have all, um, uh, you know, even if you've never been in a church in your life, you've probably heard of the Garden of Eden. And so uh, we're going to begin telling the story of God and God's people. Um, and, uh, and, and so uh, I ask you to, um, to, to, to listen um, uh, as, as, as we read this scripture and listen for for God's intent, God's purpose for humanity. Genesis, the second chapter, verses 4 through 9, 15 through 25. Hear now the word of our Lord. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave name to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. The Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen.
I want you to imagine for a moment that, um, that you wake up and on that little end table by your bed, when you wake up, you see a, uh, a, a, a cup of tea. It's, it's, it's hot, the steam's rising off of it. And you ask yourself, how did this tea get here? Now, there's two stories I could tell you, isn't there? Right? One of those stories begins inside of the tea kettle, right? It, it begins with this molecular uh, compound called H2O, right? And, and, and it begins uh, uh, with, uh, with uh, this H2O and its liquid state and it's being heated outside of the vessel uh, by an unknown source, right? And, uh, and inside that tea kettle, what's happening is that uh, the, uh, the, the, the molecules begin to vibrate because that's what he gets, right? And they're, uh, they're, they're zipping around in there. And, uh, and as the temperature increases, they zip faster and faster and faster and, uh, until they start zipping away from each other. Right. And, uh, and, and this H2O is no longer in its liquid state. It, it, bega it begins to start being transformed into its gas state. Now, as the steam starts rising inside of the vessel, uh, because of the shape of the vessel, um, uh, there's, there's nowhere for it to go. And it creates all of this upward pressure and it creates a little bit of a vortex. And as this steam is, is rising in this vortex, it's pushed uh, through it's pushed through a tube. And as it's pushed through that tube, um, uh, this pressure builds and builds and builds, uh, and, 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 and there's a little slit in the tube, and as, as, the, uh, as the steam is forced out of the tube, in order to sort of, uh, in order to sort of uh, 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 shimmy its way through the tube, it has to release some energy. And it releases that energy in the form of sound waves, a high-pitched whistling noise. Now, when this happens, no one knows how or why, uh, but there is this satchel that is submerged into the water. And around that satchel is a semi-permeable membrane, right? Um, it, uh, it, it allows the, the water to come in, but it doesn't allow the herbs to get out, right? And as there's this, this transfer of, of, of chemicals between the membrane, uh, uh, some of the characteristics of those chemicals uh, uh, seep out into the water and it becomes the uh, solution commonly known as tea. All right. That's pretty good, right? Well, you're looking at your cup of tea and I explained all of that to you and it really didn't answer your question. How did this tea come to be here? There's a second kind of story I could tell you, isn't there? I could tell you a story about the fact that, uh, that your mother has come to visit, right? Your mother has come to visit, and uh, as she was going through your cupboards yesterday, she noticed that you didn't have any tea. And so uh, she got up really early this morning, and she went to the grocery store, and she got some tea. And she knows that you like to sleep in all the way to seven in the morning. And so uh, she decided to, uh, to, to make you some tea because she loves you. And she set it by your, uh, your, your, your end table so that when you woke up, you would smell the tea, you would see the tea, and you would be able to partake. Let me ask you, 
Which of those stories is true? Both of them, right? They're both. They're both true, right? They're both uh, true. They're both probably accurate, right? The one is a little more subjective. It used words like, like love and, and, and assigned intent, right? But they're both true, aren't they? It depends on the question you're asking, really. Maybe you're one of those people that are curious about how things work, and the first story really uh, uh, engaged your, your, uh, your synapses uh, while I was telling it. Or maybe you just want to know <laughs> if, if I'm allowed to drink this tea, if it's mine. It depends on the question you're asking. You can probably already see where I'm going with this, right? We have a set of stories handed to us by science that are really good at answering our how questions. And we've got a set of stories handed to us by faith that are really good at answering our why questions. And the trouble we run into sometimes is that we try to use the Bible uh, to answer um, our how questions and that we try to use our science textbook to answer our why questions, right? And that creates all kinds of trouble. It creates trouble um, when we go to a school board meeting and we insist that, uh, that science be taught um, the way uh, these, uh, these uh, uh, Bronze Age storytellers uh, talked about their world. I would say we get into even more trouble um, when we look at, uh, at, at what science tells us about uh, how human life came to be and, and how the universe came to be and try, to, uh, try to, to glean any kind of moral lesson from that. You only need to look at the history of the early 20th century to see what happens when people try to make a philosophy, a moral philosophy, out of Darwinism or the Big Bang Theory. See, one set of stories is equipped to tell us how things came to be. And the other set of stories is equipped to tell us why things are here. Science, uh, science uh, is the story told from inside of the tea kettle. Science is about what the people inside the tea kettle that we call the universe can measure and, 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 and know. Religion tells the story of what's going on outside of the tea kettle. About the creator's hand that is, is, is lovingly tilting it all. And what their intent is for it. See, we get in trouble, like the Ghostbusters of old, when we cross the streams. <laughs> Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at a story that is bewildering on a scientific level, right? It's about talking snakes and people made out of mud and trees with fruit that have magical powers. And there is no gigging around the fact that uh, if you're smarter than a fifth grader, the story doesn't make a lot of sense to you. But... I would submit to you that there's some ancient wisdom in this story that answers our why questions better than science has been able to. And so let's set the how aside and let's look at this story 
with, our, with the glasses of our why questions. Let's look at this story and see what it's trying to tell us about our Creator's intent for us. See, we see when we look at this story that we are created on purpose for a purpose. We're not just a happy, a happy accident, right? We're not just a, 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 a collection of, of molecules and chemicals that, that happen this way, that could just as easily happen another way. We're told that our Creator created us with intent, that He had something in mind when He was sculpting us from the stuff of matter. See, we're, we're, we're told about a God who is hands-on, right? Not a God who imperiously uh, decrees and, and it comes to be. We're talking about a God that, 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 that is sculpting with his own hands this mug and making people out of it. In the first chapter of Genesis, we're told that, that God, God made these people in his own image. That, 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 that somehow we reflect the divine. And what exactly that means, well, that's the job of philosophers and theologians through the ages. We're told that animating us is this thing called the spirit, the breath of God. The, the Hebrew word uh, for, for breath um, is this word ruach, which is the same word as spirit. Whenever you encounter spirit in the Bible, in Greek too, it's the same word as breath. We're told that, that, that God breathed his spirit into us. That there is something in us that animates us that is divine. Right? Um, uh, 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 the ancients believed that, 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 that your breath was, was the part of you that essentially was living, that was holding everything up. Right? That, that, that was animating you from the inside the way helium animates a balloon. Right? And, and that as soon as your breath leaves you and goes back to God... Well, you fall and eventually you become dust again see this ancient wisdom is telling us that there is part of us that belongs to God that 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 that, that, that is a gift from God this thing we call life is a gift and it is meant to be cherished and we're told that we that that, that we're all given a purpose See, um, uh, uh, God didn't put man in the garden to sit around and eat fruit, right? He was put in the garden to work the garden, to start giving names to animals. To, he, 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 was, he was given work to do. Thus it was and thus it ever is that, that, that we human beings have this, have this gift of life that is so short, so fleeting, and yet we're called to make the most of it. We're called to do what we can with it. To do God's work. We were created on purpose for a purpose. We're also created to have intimacy with our creator. There's a little phrase that, I've read this, this story maybe a hundred times, something like that, you know. Uh, but, but there was a, a, a little phrase that I noticed this week that I'd never noticed before. We're told that, that after, uh, after God creates the man, 
he puts him in the garden. In other words, um, uh, uh, we were put in this garden uh, 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 to, to, to be in God's presence. Right? This garden is the place where God dwells. And God didn't want man off alone in the wilderness by himself. God wanted man in his presence. You and I were created for intimacy with our creator. We're created to know God. In the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam could, could, could see God face to face. Uh, um, uh, in the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere, right? We're created to know God on that level. But not just intimacy with God. We're created to intimacy with one another. If you read the first chapter of Genesis, you would see this litany of this is good, 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 this is very good, right? Every time God creates something, he surveys what he's creating and then he says, that's good. I did a good job on that. The first time God says something's not good is when he looks at the man he's just created sitting all by himself says, ooh, this isn't good. It's not good that he should be alone. I'm going to make a helper for him. I'm going to make someone suitable for him. So he puts the man into a deep sleep, and he draws the rib out of the man, right? And um, people have debated, why a rib? What's it trying to tell us? Why a rib? Some people say, well, because the rib is the closest to his heart. That's sweet, isn't it? Um, now, if you've been in Bible study, you know that, uh, that, that, that the heart wasn't the seat of emotion in the ancient world, and so that doesn't really hold up. I don't know why a rib, but I think it's this. I, I think it's, it's to remind us when we look at our rib cage, it looks incomplete, right? It looks like there are bones missing, doesn't it? And it's to remind us that we are incomplete without each other, right? That, that, that in our embrace, we put that rib cage back together in some weird way. We're incomplete without each other. It's not good for any of us to be alone. Now, when God creates Eve, he creates the first man and wife. But he also creates the first set of friends. He also creates the first community. Uh, he also creates the first neighbors, right? Uh, uh, what's essentially being created here is community. We go from being a solo act to being pack animals. And that is our natural state. That is when we feel at our best and our most fulfilled is when we feel like we have people around us who love us and have our backs. Just as surely as God created us uh, to, to bear his divine image and, and to worship him and to do good works, he has also created us to love one another and to get community right. Now, I wish the story could stay right there, right? 
I wish that were the epic of Egan. Not much of an epic, but we could all go home feeling really good. But next week, we're going to talk about how it all fell apart. About that snake that enters the garden, right? But for right now, I just I, I want to leave you with the sense that, that you have the sense. You have the sense that there's something in you that, that is longing to connect with your Creator. There is something in you uh, that, that, that even uh, uh, if you don't call it God, uh, longs for transcendence. And there is, there is something in you that, that when you uh, 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 stand on a cliff uh, at night and see, see a million stars ahead of you, uh, um, um, uh, that, that, uh, that rather than feeling um, uh, somehow uh, despairing of it, that there's something in your soul that wells up and wants to sing. And that's an echo of Egan, reminding you of your divine purpose, your, your, your divine drive to find intimacy with God. There is something in you that, that longs for that perfect community where people love each other, even though you don't quite know how to express it, even though um, you look around at the world and see that maybe it only exists in fairy tales, but there's something in you that says, no, this is how it should be. The way it is isn't working and it's not right. There's something that, that, that longs for justice, fairness, equality. And knows that this world is not perfect until those things are achieved. That's an echo of Eden. And there's something in you that knows that you are called to more. That you are created for a purpose. That, 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 this, that, that there is something that, that, that is demanded of you other than um, uh, converting uh, oxygen into carbon dioxide or spreading your DNA around a little bit. That you're created for more, that there's good work for you to do. That is an echo of Egan. And that's all stuff that, frankly, your science textbook can't tell you about yourself. That's all the story of what's going on outside of the tea kettle. We're created to love each other, to know our truest selves, and to have intimacy with God. Put another way. When Jesus was asked, what's the whole Bible about? What's the whole story about? What does all, all of this boil down to? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Intimacy with your creator. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Perfect community. Self-knowledge. It all hangs on this. So all I want you to come away with today is that, is, is that your instinct is right. That no matter what the world tells you, uh, uh, no matter uh, uh, what your news feed is presenting you with, uh, no matter um, uh, what conclusions you might try to, try to uh, draw from, from modern scientific uh, uh, models, 
your intuition is right. There's more. There's more. And you were created for it. So this morning we come to a table. It's been prepared for us. How did it get here? There are two stories I could tell you, right? One has to do with grain and grapes. I'm not going to bore you with it, but it's the long process uh, from, from the granary to your grocery store shelf. It's the long process from, from the bag of grapes to the juice aisle. But there's a different story, a more important story, about a God who loved the world so much that he gave his only son. It's a story about body and blood. How each of us is being invited to this table to find intimacy with him, connection with each other, and a reminder of our true divine purpose. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.